Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and you are listening to the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I am joined, as always, by John Sheeran. John, happy happy early Thanksgiving, my friend. Um, you have had quite the week, from what I understand, and I think some of our listeners who follow you on Twitter may also uh, have heard a little bit about it. But uh, how you doing, man? You hanging in there for the holiday? Yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna. I've I've earned this Thanksgiving week. Um, in the past five days, my house has been burglarized and $1,500 worth of my possessions have been stolen and I'm just recovering from the 48 hour flu. So I, I need Thanksgiving to happen like now. Wow. Uh, I didn't know about the, the second part of that. I uh, hope you are feeling better. Uh, the good news is the holiday weekend is upon us. The year is almost done. <laughs> Thank God. And, and uh, hey, nothing but blue skies ahead, right? Um, it's pretty cloudy here in Cincinnati. I can't speak right. for the California weather. Uh, it's actually pretty cold and rainy here today, believe it or not. So, um, yeah. Anyway, good to have you with us despite the circumstances. You, you look fantastic on that new computer you're rocking here. So uh, glad you're you're able to. Yeah, they didn't take Randall. I, I thought he would scare off the burglars, but he did not. But what, what the, the hell do you think? Can... What the hell do you think robbers were coming into your house if they see that thing? Were they going, what the, what the uh, hell? You know what? I actually didn't have him hanging up behind me when, when, I was, when I was gone. <laughs> I had him on the couch. He was just chilling. So I guess they just thought he was just some dead dude. No, if, it, if he was here, though, like they would have ran out scaring for sure. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot to get to tonight. We're going to talk about the Bengals switched uh, at quarterback yet again back to Andy Dalton and uh, talk a little bit about the Steelers' loss that caused that decision. So we will talk about that and a scenario in which possibly Dalton may or may not be the quarterback for the Bengals in 2020. We'll discuss that. We're going to be joined by McGregor Wells of Gang Green Nation the Jets website through the SB Nation Network. He's going to help us preview the upcoming game against the Jets. Kind of an interesting one for two teams that don't have a lot of wins between them. Uh, so we'll be talking with him in about 20 minutes or so. And then at the end, we're going to kick off our list of uh, 2020 prospect watch. And I kind of joked a little bit with John before we took the air. You know, that's the main thing that Bengals fans pretty much have to look forward to at this point in 2019 is some of the guys that may or may not join the Bengals um, next week. So or next year, excuse me. So just uh, just we'll talk about it when that segment starts, too. But just a little preview of that. Basically, we're going to do a couple of things with that. John and I are going to select some some people we've watched, some players we've watched at the college ranks that could be good fits for the Bengals in various rounds of the NFL draft give you a little bit of a profile in case you are unfamiliar with them. Others, maybe some that we have talked about uh, at length, will be joined by other guests who have immediate insight to those players. So, for instance, we will be covering the big three quarterbacks of Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, and helping us out will be various members of SB Nation sites for those respective schools that cover those teams. So uh, it's not just going to be us talking about certain prospects. There'll be a little bit of that, but there's also going to be some interviews and us asking people who cover those teams on a weekly basis and see these types of players on a weekly basis. And we'll be doing that really kind of the rest of this year. And uh, I, I assume we'll probably be doing that quite a bit up to the leading up to the draft. So we're looking forward to that. And we hope you enjoy that too. We'll be ending the show with prospect watch and We'll be doing listener questions this weekend as well, even though it's Thanksgiving. We're not going to be doing it Thursday, but we will be doing it uh, either Friday or Saturday. We'll chat and uh, get that information out to you. We've got we've got a number of questions already queued up, so we'll get to that on a separate episode as well. Whew, a lot a lot to get to, John. And mm -hmm. uh, as always, everybody can get the show iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on iHeartRadio, Megaphone. You can get it on YouTube, CincyJungle.com. And we are streaming live on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel and the CincyJungle.com Facebook page. Whew. Well, John, let's let's get to it. I guess we could start with yet another loss to the Steelers. Uh, the umpteenth in a row, it seems like. Probably, I, I think it's dating back now to late 2015 um, that the Bengals have not beaten the Steelers. So uh, another sweep this year. This one was pretty close. 
it was in some respects a, a good game and a fun game because it was competitive. The Bengals seemed to be playing with a high level of emotion and energy and, uh, you know, effort level was there, but talent level. And of course at the quarterback position, the results were not there. Uh, your, before we get to the quarterbacks, your take on the game itself. Yeah. Like it, it, it is true though. Like if, if any other quarterback in the NFL, aside from Mason Rudolph, or maybe Mitchell Trubisky was playing for the Bengals, that that's, that's probably a win for the Bengals. And it was, it was, you know, smart for the Steelers to bench Mason Rudolph and put in duck Hodges, who at least had some of a live arm in there, but like, it was just depleting to watch this Bengals offense again. Like I know the pass protection was, was shoddy. I know that Joe Mixon didn't have that great of a game to start, but but fit, like all of all of Finley's struggles just kind of cultivated into one performance against a defense that knows how to toy with this offense. And you know, Auden Tate had a decent game, but it was just so anemic. And I, honestly, you can understand the decision making process of of benching Finley after this because you go into that locker room, you know, at the end of the game with with a lead, you know, in the first half, and you, you're thinking to yourselves, "What are we doing?" Like as as players and coaches whose you know job security is dependent upon wins you're going into a no and 12 season like you can't sit there and say that this is this is a performance where we want to sit there you know in, in the next press conference and lie to basically everything is how finley gives them the best chance to win or finley is the guy you feel confident about putting out there so it was a performance where you just can't justify putting finley back out there again you, you just have to look at it from zach taylor's perspective okay you're 0 and 11 it's the worst you're 0 11. It's tied for the worst start in franchise history. About to be now you're 0 12, and you have a quarterback in there that you drafted in the fourth round who's playing like the absolute worst in the NFL. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is an organization where you're going to get the most job security out of basically any, anywhere else. And this is the only place where you can have a chance to fulfill whatever plan that you have for four or five years or whatnot. The only way that you get fired after this year is if you potentially go in 16. And if, for, for Zach Taylor and his perspective, there's just not a chance that he can allow that to happen. So from his perspective, I understand why he made this choice, because obviously Andy Dalton gives him the best chance to win. Obviously, he's now the best quarterback that they have to evaluate the rest of the roster. And that's kind of backtracking, I guess, what we said you know, three, three weeks ago when Dalton was benched and he was playing poorly. Finley may have given them the chance to evaluate the offense line, the receiving core. Now that we know that Finley is absolute dog crap, we now know that Dalton gives them the best, best chance to do that. But also, when you look at the Bengals, they're 0-12. Again, worst start in franchise history. They're, they're dead last in attendance. I think they're like officially 71% in terms of attendance now. They, they need to sell tickets. and They need to re-energize hope, not only for the fan base to come back next year, but also for the players in that locker room. This is a losing culture right now. This is a losing team for the past four years. And the new head coach and his staff that they hired, they haven't had a win yet. So I understand why most logical fans – only care about the draft. And I think me and you basically care about that point as well. The playoffs are long gone and whatever, but looking at them, looking at what, what they prioritize, because that's the, that's the difference between the fans mindset and the football operations mindset. They don't care about the draft position. They don't care about any of that. They care about, they care about establishing some type of positive culture. They're going into next year. And that's ultimately why they did this. Now the Bengals could win some games and and lose some draft positioning. Are you greatly concerned about that, or is just is this just you know hey they're going to win one or two games and that's that? Like if you just look at the difference between Dalton and Finley, you would assume that oh they have a better chance of winning now, and, and you will be right. But my 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 thing is what's what's a higher number like twenty five or ten? Twenty five is obviously the higher number, but twenty five percent chance of winning isn't that much better than ten percent chance of winning. You still have to look at who the Bengals have to play. For the, for the finale of this 2019 season. They play the Jets next week. They play the Browns twice. They play the Patriots, and they play the Dolphins. The Patriots are, even with a an, an average quarterback, Tom Brady, they're still a better team, a superior team. They're probably not going to win that game. The Browns are surging right now. They have a better quarterback in Baker Mayfield. They have a better defense. They have a better defense. They have to play on the road against them, too. They're probably not going to win either of those games. So now you're thinking, okay, you just have the Dolphins and Jets left. The Jets have a, a surging team right now. They're 3-0 in the past three weeks. Sam Darnold's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the past three weeks, and that defense is now top five in in, in, in accordance to DVOA. And then finally, the Dolphins, who are have a better quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's also on the road. So looking at the rest of the schedule, it doesn't even look like that they win three games. So they could win two games. I'll, I'll give them maybe the Dolphins and Jets, maybe one of the Browns games. Two or three wins, two and 14, three and 13 to finish the year when everyone 
else in the NFL is at least at two wins. I think the chances of them drafting first overall are still really high, even with Dalton in there, because the difference between Dalton and Finley may be marginal, but it, it, it may be a little bit better for Dalton's side, but it's still marginal in a sense where you're not going to get that much better performance against teams that are, for the most part, better than them. So I don't think the fact that they had this cushion forced them to make this decision. I think that was an independent variable in all this. But regardless, I don't think their chances really diminished that much, as people think. Where I kind of wanted to go next before we're going to be joined by McGregor Wells of Gangrene Nation, um, I, I wanted to go here, okay? I, there, This may be a far-fetched scenario, but kind of piggybacking on what I just asked you with, you know, there is a possibility that the Bengals may win some games here. And with two teams poised to be in the top five in the Jets and the Dolphins, say the Bengals win those games, maybe they win one or two against the Cleveland Browns. You get three or four wins out of these next five. Andy Dalton plays well. He plays better than he did in those first eight games. He shows maybe with an A.J. Green return, a Cordy Glenn return, like I said, maybe Jonah Williams. John Ross is another guy who is set to return potentially in the beginning of December. So you get some of these guys back. The run game plays plays at a level that it's been at for the past three weeks as opposed to where it was in the, in the first eight weeks. And all of a sudden you have a much better output, a much better looking Andy Dalton and Zach Taylor system, which net wins, okay? Now, if you net wins, say you finish three and 13, you finish four and 12, and it moved, there, there are a couple of things at play here. If you, if you end up losing draft positioning and maybe you end up losing – a shot at Joe Burrow because we know that the Bengals do not like to move up to trade up and sacrifice picks. We know that. So if they, if they're not getting the number one pick and Joe Burrow at number one, if, if they're not sitting at number one, they're probably likely not getting Joe Burrow because they're not going to move up and, and sacrifice picks. They don't like to do that. So if if they miss out on Joe Burrow and they move back, they slide back a little bit. What is the likelihood? that the Bengals select a Tua Tagovailoa, a Justin Herbert, and hang on to Andy Dalton as their starter for 2020 and use one of those two guys as a in a red shirt, red shirt year. Uh, you know, Tagovailoa recovering from the injury. Potentially, you have Justin Herbert who needs a little bit more development, and that's the route they go. You hang on to Dalton for one more year, see if you can kind of get – return to competitive football in 2020 while these guys learn and or recover. I, I'm not sure if I can speak on the likelihood of that happening because this is still, this is still Zach Taylor's team. We still don't know a lot about the future plan of this organization, if there even is a plan. And I think benching Dolan in week eight signified that, yeah, he was basically done Cincinnati for the long term, And for him to come back in the next five weeks, potentially play very well with an improved and healthier roster. And all of a sudden he's the, the back at least in 2020 again, and at least has a chance to to make something out of that season. I think that in itself is a little unlikely because I think there is some sense, there's some sense of type of of future foresight on on this whole thing. I think they still want to move on in another direction at the quarterback position and taking Tua or Justin Herbert as that redshirt role behind Dalton would make sense because I think they look at it like, like now, like if they release Dalton and if they go that route, I'm not sure they would be very comfortable having Finley as the bridge guy because he can't even essentially do that. He can't he can't pass the torch. He'll probably fumble the torch on the way over the bridge. So he's probably not a viable option at this point for that role. I think they just see him as a long-term backup in a sense and don't want him starting under any circumstances. So in that case, that does make some logical sense. It really it would ultimately depend on the evaluation of those two quarterbacks. I think they're going to like Tua a lot more than Herbert just because he's more consistent and he's yeah. and his decision-making is overall better. He might just be the better prospect. And we just talked about it last week, how they would be very you know unattracted to the idea of taking a guy in, in, in the first round who probably isn't going to play or at least play at a high level in 2020. So maybe that deters them from Tua and deters them from this whole plan. But yeah, if they miss out on, on a chance like Burrow, on a guy like Burrow, they miss out on that chance to get that franchise quarterback. That does make a lot of sense, but only if, like you said, all those positive things happen in the final five seasons, final five weeks. And as we've seen from the first, you know, eleven weeks, it's kind of unlikely it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a far fetched scenario that I'm that I'm proposing, but it's a scenario where you know Dalton's going to play pissed off, for lack of better words. He's got a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. Um, there are, like I said, there are guys, pieces returning. The, the Dalton plan, surround him with pieces. Some of those guys are returning 
Um, and, you know, obviously more games in the Zach Taylor system. These coaches have been, at least in the run game aspect, have shown a propensity to change things up and, and at least be a bit more effective there. So finding a semblance of balance could bring about more wins and more effective play by Andy Dalton. Um, we'll, we'll see what that leads to. I think if the Bengals, you know, continue to lose games and, um, you know, if they get the number one overall pick, Burrow's the guy, I, I think – there's a, it's a little bit of a far-fetched scenario where they win three, four, five games in these remaining five weeks. But if they do, I just think it gives them, you know, a, a bit of a, something to think about. Um, and, and especially if they lose draft positioning, uh, any, before we get to our special guest here, John, um, it, real quickly, any, any, uh, do you have any inkling that this is maybe something to showcase Dalton for a possible spring trade? By putting yes. him back in the lineup. Absolutely, yes. I think that's an alternative motive here. Like right now, Dalton's value was extremely low, and this obviously raises it a little bit. And at, at some point, you just gotta say, we'll we'll just take anything that anybody can give us. And who knows what his value was at the trade deadline? But obviously, once he was benched, it diminished based because everybody knew he was going to be out the door. If he t- if he does show something positive, and you know, th- there's been rumblings about how this quarterback carousel is going to be extremely, you know radical this offseason with a lot of other quarterbacks on the move so if they can get if they can get some positive assets out of this last five weeks that's definitely a win for them and i think that that was also something that was in the decision along with just trying to get a win yep well dalton is the starting quarterback and he will be playing against the jets and uh, it sounds like for the rest of the season and it sounds like zach taylor made this decision he consulted with ownership but he basically proposed the fact that he was going to make this move and ownership gave its blessing to move back to andy dalton and that's where we're at with things as week 13 is around the corner this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast he's john sharon i'm anthony kazenza we're going to bring in our special guest in just a second here but as i said at the onset of the show you can get this program on itunes on stitcher on spotify you can get it on google play you can get it on iHeartRadio, the Megaphone platform, YouTube, and all of our stuff is on CincyJungle.com. So, to help us preview Week 13 against the New York Jets, we have McGregor Wells of SB Nation's Gang Green Nation. McGregor, can you hear us? How are you, sir? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. How you doing? Great. Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate you making the time. I know it's probably a little late on your end, but we appreciate it, especially during during uh, the holiday season here. Hopefully, you're you're setting yourself up to do something fun tomorrow. But um, just let's let's get right to it. I'm, you know, I'm a Southern California guy. I watched a lot of Sam Darnold. I really liked him coming out uh, as a prospect. I liked him better than Baker Mayfield. Both guys have struggled a bit in their second year, but Darnold's done a few nice things these past couple of weeks. What's your assessment of him so far for the New York Jets? Uh, I think he's really come into his own the last few weeks. Um, he struggled a lot uh, early in the season, and I think a lot of that was due to the fact that the Jets kind of played a murderous row of pass defenses that really um, gave him a lot of trouble, as well as his problems with uh, mononucleosis earlier in the season. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's an unusual thing for a <laughs> someone in their 20s to get, but what, whatever. Um Anyway, I think he, you know, he was probably a little bit under the weather when he came back as well. That that tends not to clear up as fast as he came back. So who knows? It's hard to say. But uh, I think as he's gotten to the easier part of the schedule, he's really coming to his own. And we'll see as the, the the season comes on. You know, later in the season there'll be some really tough defenses again, and we'll see if he can he can handle those. But the last few weeks he's been terrific. Well, well speaking of tough defenses, the Jets have a pretty good one in their own, but. I'm just very curious. Over or under 25 yards, the safeties for the Jets are playing behind the line of scrimmage of Greg Williams as defensive coordinator. Uh, there'll be one deep, really deep safety usually, um, <laughs> but not both. Both of them are not uh, best 25 yards. Oh. Yeah, one, one is usually off the television. Yeah, I, I just remember um, the Jabril Peppers was always like 50 yards away from the line. But yeah, has, has Greg really turned that defense around? Has he shown a better capacity to lead them? Because they've, they've been kind of on a hot stretch lately. He's done an amazing job. I mean, the, the Jets' problems have not been on defense uh, at all. And the Jets' defense has kind of been decimated with injuries. They're, they're down to their like, fifth-string inside linebackers. Um, mm. And uh, they, they've had injuries along the the, uh, the, um, this, the defensive line as well. And, and a cornerback. You know, the, the, both their t- top two cornerbacks are down. 
they're gone for the year. Um, well, one's gone for the year. One's uh, will come back maybe this week, maybe not. But they've been gone for a while. So we're we're operating with with backup cornerbacks, backup in, in, interior uh, linebackers, and and still the defense has been you know terrific, especially the run defense, which is the best in the league. So McGregor, the the Jets were. I mean, they they made the big splash this offseason in in free agency, right? I mean, they they got the linebacker from the Ravens. Uh, they got Le'Veon Bell. They they made some moves, and uh, it hasn't really worked out for them. From a from the other side of the fence, the Bengals side of the fence, a team that does basically nothing in outside free agency. What's what's your take on the effectiveness of that strategy? I know Mosley's been hurt. Um, you know, are, are fans still wanting more of that outside free agency approach or is it, you know, this, this simply isn't working. We really need to refocus efforts on the draft. We need to, to do, do better in April rather than March. Well, I think here's the thing. The Jets had a GM that really didn't work out at all. And Mike McCagden that they fired last year, and he had a series of terrible drafts. And when you have, you know, one terrible draft after another, after another, you really don't have anybody to bring back internally. So you have no choice. You have all this money because you didn't have anybody to sign to second contracts and you have to go into free agency and spend it. Now, I don't think it's the ideal solution. I don't think it's a good solution. It's just the necessary solution when you have nobody internally that can fill any kind of start, starter role. So the Jets have been forced by terrible drafts to, to go outside to free agency. And that, that rarely works well. You always are paying a ton of money for guys that probably are not gonna ever uh, measure up to those contracts. You know. And it, that's what happened with the Jets. And it, it'll, it'll happen to most teams when they do this. Occasionally, a team will be build well at least for a year or two from free agency, but it's no way to run a team. You've got to, the bottom line is it's got to be through the draft. You've got to draft well. The Jets have been amongst the worst in the, in the NFL drafting. Speaking of the draft, uh, you guys uh, selected Quinn Williams as your first round pick, and you traded Leonard Williams surprisingly for a couple of mid round picks, but presumably that would have given Quinn a, a bigger role in that defense. How has he really looked in his first year? There's mixed reviews of Quentin Williams. He's not been the disruptive, penetrating uh, force that a lot of people expect. He certainly has not been effective in the, in the pass rush. Um, but it, it appears when you watch the defense play uh, and, you, and you key in on Quentin, they, they're asking him to two-gap a lot. There. And, and so he's not being asked to do the things he did in college. And so he's not racking up the stats, but he seems to be progressing fairly nicely. Eventually, you're going to want him to play more of a, and I'm not saying it's going to be this good, but more of an Aaron Donald type role where you're penetrating. Um, nobody's going to be that good, but, but that sort of role. Um, and right now he doesn't play that role. Right now they're asking him to play sort of a traditional two gap nose, nose tackle. Those guys don't rack up stats. Um, that's what he's being asked to do. And he, he's being a, doing a good job in the run game. He's doing a good job in what he's asked to do. He's just not flashing off because of the role he's being asked to play. I think. Talking with McGregor Wells of Gangrene Nation, the SB Nation website that covers the New York Jets. The Bengals play the Jets in week 13. I want to talk a little bit uh, while we've got you for a few more minutes um, about the Kelechi Osemele situation. Um, hmm. That is kind of another free agency, I guess, disaster. But the the really the, the other side of it is the whole medical staff issue, how they handled that. I think those of us who cover the Bengals, watch the Bengals, hear about the Bengals, know quite a bit about medical staff issues, training staff issues, injury issues. I guess how what happened there, if you have any other further insight, and how big of a distraction and or deterrent has that been to the Jets' success? I don't have any insight as far as insider information for the Jets. All I can tell you is that Assembly didn't work out. He, he was basically being replaced. He was benched. And as soon as he was benched, he said, I need surgery on the shoulder, and I've needed it for quite a while. It's a, kind of an interesting timing in that he didn't say that when he started. He stayed that, said that when he was no longer going to play. Um, so from the Jets' perspective, he was playing all, through this all, this all this time, and now he's being benched. Now he says he needs the surgery. And they're saying, well, you played all this time. You probably If you needed it now, you probably need it then because he had this this shoulder problem right up from the beginning of the season. Um, so from the Jets' perspective, he just did that because basically he was ticked off of being benched. And wanted to <laughs> uh, but from his perspective, I guess, you know, look, nobody knows person's pain. Nobody knows how they're feeling from one week to the next. I can't tell you whether he's really worse off now than he was before he was benched. 
He feels like he was treated poorly by the Jets. He feels like he needs a surgery, and the Jets are saying you can't have surgery that you need. So from his perspective, what the heck is that? You know, I need the surgery. You tell me I can't have it. I'm going to get it anyway. So it, it, the Jets have not handled these kinds of situations well this year internally. Um, it's not the only situation where you're, you're scratching your head like, this doesn't usually happen in the NFL. And you're like, what is going on internally? There's some kind of disconnect between certain players and the new team that's been brought in this year between Adam Gase and Joe Douglas, the GM. Um, and it's hard to tell who's to blame here. I don't know. I'm not taking sides in this, but something is wrong. There's not Something is not going the way it should be going internally on this team. Well, speaking of Adam Gase, you know, in, in his first year, he's, you know, he, he hasn't exactly created the most positive perception, but there was announcements a, a couple weeks ago about how, you know, the, the ownership was confident in, in him going into next year. And he's not going to be, you know, a one and done guy. And I don't think Zach Taylor is also going to be that, but it's kind of interesting how you know, both first year coaches who have struggled mightily are facing each other, but both are probably going to be back. So as a Jets fan, how do you, you know, spin bringing Adam Gase back to the second year in a, in a positive way? What are the, what are the things that you can build off with Adam Gase as your head coach? I'm not a fan of bringing him back. I didn't think he should be back. Um, but if you're going to say, what's this, how do you spin it? The last few weeks, the offense has been terrific. They've scored 34 points, three weeks in a row. Um, uh, Sam Darnold seems to be progressing nicely. Um, He's gone from bottom of the league quarterback to somebody who's really put together some really terrific games lately. So from that perspective, your most important um, player on the team by far is the quarterback. If you can get that quarterback up to speed where he's now a force in the league, if if you're going to say Adam Gase is the one doing that, well, that's a really good reason to bring him back. I'm not so sure it's Adam Gase. I think it's more Sam Darnold. But if you believe Adam Gase is the one responsible for that, then that's a great reason to bring him back. So how do you see this one playing out this week? Is this a trap game for the Jets? What can the Bengals potentially exploit in this game? Or do you think that the Jets are catching kind of that late season surge, hitting their stride a little bit, like you've mentioned, and that this should just kind of be another uh, another notch in their belt this week? I, I don't think a Jets team can ever say any team is a notch in their belt. <laughs> uh, this, this, this is not a good team. This is a team that has feasted on a few weak opponents and a couple of opponents that overlook them. Um, if the Jets get going to this as a trap game, if they're not, if they come in flat, that, that that's a real uh, a mark against Coach Adam Gase. You you cannot go into on any road game in the NFL and say we're going to notch this as a win, unless you're, well, if you're Patriots, you can. But at most teams, you know, road games are tough to win. Just, I don't care who you're playing; it's tough to win on the road. Um, so, uh, do I look at this as a trap game? I sure hope not. I mean, if the Jets aren't ready to play this game, it'll, it'll be a travesty. The, the Bengals will beat them because. I don't think the Jets are a ton better than the Bengals. I think they're probably a better team, but I don't think it's the, the gap is all that wide. We've been talking with McGregor Wells of Gang Green Nation. McGregor, where can people, aside from the website itself, where can people find your work, get in touch with you, read your stuff, all that all that good stuff? Yeah, I, unfortunately, I'm kind, of, <laughs> I'm kind of a throwback. I'm a dinosaur. I'm not on any social media. Okay. So the website is at ganggreennation.com. You can read my stuff there anytime you like. Um, but, yeah. I'm not a Twitter guy. I'm not a Facebook guy. I just don't do that stuff. So. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, any big plans for Thanksgiving? I'm cooking. I'm the cook. For, yeah, I'm cooking uh, king crab legs, and I'm cooking wow. uh, uh, sirloin steaks, and we're going to have a great time. Um, yeah, how about you guys? Well, I, 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 I'm waiting for an invitation to your place. Yeah, come, exactly. on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come California. It's a long ride for just one good meal, right? <laughs> yeah. Just kind of just kind of doing the, the family thing myself. There so, you go. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, have a good holiday. Enjoy this weekend, the extended weekend, the football, and um, appreciate your insight. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take it easy. Take care. That, was, that was McGregor Wells of Gangrene Nation, uh, SB Nation's Jets site. Go check out their website as they uh, as the Bengals get set to take on the Jets in Week 13. Interesting stuff from him, John. I thought uh, there's some – some good insight and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, the, I thought it was interesting what he said about the um, about Adam Gase, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it sounds like that, that fuse is already very short amongst the fan base. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if Bengals fans, the majority of them 
I don't know if they feel that way or not, but well, well, Taylor doesn't come off as like a meme as much as Adam Gase does. Gase makes it very easier, I think, for people to despise him. Plus, he he's in New York, so he's going to have a lot more critics in comparison. So, uh, a look over the other side of the fence there with the Jets. Um, not a team that the Bengals play overly often, but I guess somewhat often conference opponent. And you know what's what's interesting, John. Um, you know, both of these teams are, are set to kind of hold a top five pick. We mentioned this earlier. Um, you know, so this game, at least for those who are into the the tank fest, uh, this game kind of holds a little bit of weight, right? Mm. No, I mean, like, you, just look at the rest of the games remaining. Like, this is one of those games where you think this is winnable because the Jets are – potentially fraudulent based off the past two weeks and they can just implode at any minute and their head coach is Adam Gase and it's at home and I don't think Andy Dolan's ever lost to this team and it's, it's against a defense it's against a style of defense at least most Bengals players on offense are familiar with playing in, in that Greg, Greg Williams Greg Williams defense and it's a defense that doesn't have a lot of star power they obviously have Jamal Adams and Marcus May and but they traded Leonard Williams and I think Jordan Willis out of all people is like their second highest graded edge defender on that defensive line. So yeah, Jordan Willis, Jordan Willis not only plays for the Jets, but he's actually a decent player for them. So it kind of speaks to the testament of the overall depth, but Williams is getting that unit to play a lot better as a team. And I think they've only given up, I think 20 points the past couple of weeks and they just demolished the Raiders who beat the Bengals pretty handily or, or two weeks ago, or at least towards the end of the game. So like, this is a game where if Donald really just pops off then the Bengals don't really have a chance because even with Dalton back, I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up with him. And this is a defense that has the capability of just slowing down what, whatever this offense has shown to be. So this is the, you know, the Jets are, are winnable in a sense of the very definition of play, just playing a four win team, but they have the chance to either, you know, blow them out by multiple scores or just underwhelm completely enough to keep this another close game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were, we were thinking about asking him about, you know, what the Jets may do if they hold an, a top five pick, if quarterback would be in there, but given his, kind of review of, of Sam Darnold, I kind of figure, and I think most people figure that quarterback probably with Sam Darnold only entering year three, if they have a top five pick, I don't think that that would be the route they would go. Um, you know, maybe, maybe offensive line or something like that. Yeah. But, um, so I don't think they're a threat to take one of those big three away from, from Cincinnati. If they, you know, if they happen to leapfrog Cincinnati in terms of, of draft positioning, this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. You just heard from McGregor Wells of gang green nation to help us talk about the jets game. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. Get this podcast on any, basically any audio platform where you get your podcast. It's available a lot of different places. It's available on YouTube and on cincyjungle.com. We thank uh, those of you joining us live, whether that's through our YouTube channel or Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Appreciate it. We know it's uh, Thanksgiving holiday is upon us, so you may be traveling. You may be, I don't know, but we appreciate you listening to us and uh you know, in advance, we're not getting out of here yet, but in advance, we hope that you have a good Thanksgiving holiday. Dude, I know I'm still sick because I just realized I didn't answer any part of what question you asked. I just went on a completely different tangent. I don't, I don't know what that was. That's all right. That's all right. You got, you got, you got tryptophan on the brain, dude. Oh my it's, it's, God. All good. it's all good. Uh, let's, let's segue John into Please. the, the, <laughs> the NFL draft. Um, as I said on the at the onset, you know the the Cincinnati Bengals and their fans probably mostly have um, the the NFL draft mostly to look forward to. So yes, we've been talking a lot about the quarterbacks, and yes, we will get to the quarterbacks. We're not going to kick off the segment with that this week, just so you know, so all you listeners know. On uh, the De- this December eleventh episode, we have Joseph Yoon from uh, Addicted to Quack. Uh, that's like the best, best. Amazing. Best. Yeah. Amazing. I love, I love that website name. Uh, the SB nation, Oregon ducks website. He is going to be joining us then um, for, to talk about Justin Herbert, maybe a couple of other prospects as well. So he's going to help us kind of uh, move this segment along. We also have uh, Billy Gomila um, from the LSU SB nation website. Um, he should be joining us next week, by the way, our, our show next week will be next Tuesday night, not Wednesday night, the third. So join us. If you're a live listener, join us for that. Billy Gomila, uh, is tentatively set to join us 
that evening, as is um, the uh, it's Brent Taylor from the Alabama website to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. So for the next couple of weeks after tonight, the next couple of shows, we will have we will be talking quarterbacks and we'll be talking with them from people that watch them on a weekly basis and pretty much all of their snaps. So we're going to get some good insight there on the prospect watch list. But this week, we're going to kind of kick off with some guys that a little lesser known, at least on my end, um, that, uh, you know, either position-wise, you know, need, whatever the case may be, they may they might be guys that the Bengals could target, not necessarily in the first round, but in later rounds. And since I am a Southern California guy, and since I watch a lot of USC football, I'm going to start with a USC prospect. And this prospect is wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., his father, was a running back in uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a number of years. And uh, this kid, Michael Pittman, was a very effective he was kind of a reserve guy, kind of got some starts throughout his career. But um, his son, Michael Pittman Jr., is a wide receiver for the USC Trojans. Um, his, his other, he's got another son, Micah Pittman, who plays for Oregon as well. But uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is set to leave. There are conflicting kind of reports on where – Pittman may go. Some people think he could be as high as a second or third round guy. Some people think he's going to be a day three pick. Here's, here's kind of the, the deal with him. Uh, he is absolutely huge. 6'4", 220. Uh, he runs uh, vertically pretty well. It's going to be interesting to see what his 40 time is because if his 40 time ends up being a good time to match with those kind of you know, the, the 6'4", 220 frame, that's going to skyrocket his draft stock. Where he excels, John, is high-pointing the football. He does make the big play. Um, he's not an overly fast guy, but he's pretty fast for his size. He's made – the last two seasons combined, granted USC's going to have a, uh, probably a bowl game here, so he still has a, at least a game to play here. But um, in – 22 games the last two years. He has 17 touchdowns scored. And that, for those who do not know about the USC Trojans, they've had a carousel of quarterbacks that have come in and out of the lineup because of injury and ineffectiveness and all kinds of things since Sam Darnold left. So uh, as a as a junior, Pittman had 41 catches, 758 yards for a, a big 18 and a half yards per, per catch average and six touchdowns. Um, this year, a big jump in statistics as their go-to guy, 95 catches, 1,222 yards, and 11 touchdowns. The yards per um, yards per catch average dropped to 12.9, but effective guy. So a lot of – I know you hate to do comparables, NFL comparables, John. I'm not a big fan of them either because you, you throw something out there and you think it's a compliment. Some people don't take it as such, what have you. But I see – I see this kid as a quicker Auden Tate. Auden Tate. Uh, I see him as maybe a bit more athletic Auden Tate with the size, the catch radius, and can do a, a few more things vertically. He's, he's an inch smaller, but he's got the big body, the big frame. He is a big red zone target. He's a guy, like I said, he'll high point the ball. He can go deep. He can move the chains a little bit. Um, I think he may run a bit slower. So I think that's why a lot of people think he's going to be a mid-round pick. Um, he may be in that 4-6-ish range, which isn't terrible for 6'4", 220. But, you know, when you see a DK Metcalf <laughs> around a similar stature go, you know, what is that, four, sub 4-4, four, four, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the expectations can be a, a little bit different there. I think he does some of the similar things that DK Metcalf does. He's not the absolute physical specimen that Metcalf is, but this kid is built. I think he could be a good complimentary receiver on an NFL team. I look at like an Alshon Jeffrey. I look at, like I said, uh, Auden Tate. I look at guys like that where, you know, he, he could be a guy that slot guy, maybe occasionally put him outside for the, for the occasional deep ball, but a good red zone target in the NFL. That's how I see Michael Pittman jr. I, I don't think he lasts personally past the third round, 
Um, definitely not past the fourth round, but you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Quicker odd and Tate's usually don't last that long because yeah. a really quick odd and Tate is like a Calvin Johnson, but right. I, don't, I don't think he, I don't think you think he's that quick. So no, he's but, not. No, that, that guy, that, that guy and his skill set definitely has value. Um, that, that's a good one. Um, usually I don't watch too much college tape this early and I usually have people who are better or better than some positions for that to do that for me. Um, <laughs> one, one of, one of the, one of my favorite followers on Twitter and one of my friends on Twitter who does a lot of offensive line work, his name's Ryan Patrick at Royal Red Legs. He does a lot of offensive line watching in general. And the name that he told me last week was a guy named Sam Co- Cosme from Texas. Now he's a redshirt sophomore. He's an offensive lineman. So he might not declare it this year, but there have, there have been, you know, some cases where guys kind of leave early because, you know, they start a lot and they have a lot of experience and, you know, they, they just want to get to the NFL as quick as possible. Maybe they, maybe they don't like the role. That could potentially be a case for Cosme because, as we've seen, Texas is not back. They're like 7-4 or 6-5 and five at this point. So maybe he wants to bounce early. But re- regardless, you know, in general, when, when scouting offensive linemen, most guys can move guys from point A to point B. But the, the truly great guys, the guys who can develop better, can actually develop into quality players, they know how to expand upon that. You know, they, they, they learn technical hand placement. They learn, you know, better footwork. And Cosme, again, he's a retro sophomore, so he's really young. But he already has a lot of functional strength. He already has the ability to drive guys off the ball. And he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, about 300 pounds. So he's got incredible size. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, we just drafted – Michael Jordan, who's 6'6", and he's been crappy at guard. But, you know, not all guys are obviously play the same despite the size. He, he knows how to gain leverage. He knows how to play with a good, good pad level. He played a right tackle. His, his retro freshman year started all season. Then he moved to the left side here. But he's a guy that could potentially have a future inside. And Ryan's, you know, comparison to him was in, in Andrews Pete. Andrews Pete was a guy from Stanford, uh, drafted back in 2015, I think, in the first round. A guy that the Bengals might have drafted has a, had – uh, he'd been available for them instead of Cedric Oboehi. But Pete also had really heavy feet at Stanford, right? He, you know, his pass protection skill set could not survive in the NFL. The Saints knew that. They moved him inside the guard. And he's been an absolute mauler. You know, he's been a guy that, despite not the greatest fit in his own blocking scheme, he knows how to just, you know, get good good leverage at 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, and just really just use those tree trunk of legs to just drive guys off the ball. So I think Cosme is, is another sense of that guy where he plays a lot of functional strength. He plays a great leverage, great pad level. And honestly, for a guy who's only maybe 20, 21 years old, great hand placement. You know, he's just the guy that understands – the, the developmental factors of becoming a great offensive lineman at a really young age at a, at a program like Texas. Um, he, he might even be better than Connor Williams, who was drafted in the mid-second round uh, uh, from 2018. So, you know, coming from that program, they obviously had luck with Trey Hopkins as well, a, a guy who could p- potentially be a versatile, competent component on the offensive line. He might not declare, so this, this is why we're kind of saying it now, is just get him out of the way early. So if he does declare, and maybe he kind of overshot what his expectations were as far as draft stock, they could get him maybe potentially later, later in the draft, like the fourth or fifth round range, kind of where some of those guys who really overvalue themselves really go. But in terms of a value pick, in terms of a guy who can play in multiple positions, who's already started well over 20 games, just two years of college at a major program, this is a guy that could potentially be a value piece for you know years to come. And you think you think even though he could be a day three pick, you, you think he has starter upside? Yeah, like uh, maybe not right away because again, he's only been two years starter in college. But you know, I, after just watching some of it myself, I think a lot of what my friend Ryan said was was extremely valid and how he just has those traits that are kind of rare because not, you know every guy, especially playing in the Big Twelve against those defenses, they have the ability to to flash, but the consistency is definitely there. So if he does go, you know, it, it could be like a oh man. Is the offensive lineman from from Arkansas, not not Frank Ragnow, uh, Ragnow's teammate who was drafted by the Patriots, who was drafted on on day three, he ended up actually starting or getting a lot of starting looks early, but I think he got hurt. He just has you know those those guys ha- can find opportunities even on good offense lines. Not an offense line as bad as Cincinnati, the opportunities are going to be there, especially for a coaching staff that is looking for the best possible option. So if he does find himself on a team like Cincinnati, even as a day three pick. He's going to have opportunities, but again, he could go back to college. He could, he could, he could become a better player. He might, he may even be like a day two or even maybe even a first round pick in the 2021 draft, but that's just a name to watch when you see guys declaring for the draft. Uh, Steve Holly in the live Facebook chat. I assume this, this is directed to you and cause me the, the kid you're referencing. Would you stay if you were him? Do you think he needs to stay or do you think he's NFL ready after this year? 
Uh, I haven't watched enough to really say that, but if I were him, like it's, it's Texas, I really don't know what you're saying for. I guess that, that quarterback, Sam, Sam Ellinger, is a decision to make for himself if, if he's going to declare or not, or maybe he's a senior. I have no idea. But if I were him, I would probably get out of Texas as soon as possible if I have a chance to get an NFL contract. Okay. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people asking us about various, uh, you know, various players and uh, you know, I saw Austin Tran ask us about Kenneth Murray. Um, I saw, I saw Will Smith talk about Josh Jones, the tackle, um, you know, because of time constraints and whatnot, we're not going to get to all of those guys, but you're giving us ideas to, of who to talk about in the future. We're going to be doing this for quite a while. So, you know, some of the guys we talked about today aren't of the highest profile you've heard of them, but you know, they aren't going in the first round. They're guys that are more depth guys or guys that help you build the meat of your roster, not necessarily the flashy, you know, your quarterbacks and whatnot. But as I said, we will be talking about the quarterbacks in the next couple of weeks, courtesy of some folks from various SB nation websites to help us cover Joe Burrow, to help us cover Tua, to help us cover Justin Herbert, the big three in this class. We'll probably get some others, um, you know, some other quarterbacks and whatnot too. So we've got a lot, a lot to get, uh, a lot to get to on this front. Um, I, just going back to my guy Pittman that I covered, um, you know, for the bit from the Bengals standpoint, wide receiver isn't their biggest need. Um, you know, you've got a number of guys they've used high picks, but all of a sudden you, you don't know what's going on with AJ green and what happens next year. John Ross has been injuries, injuries, injuries. Uh, Auden Tate, he's been pretty good when, when called upon, but, uh, I, I don't know if he's a number one guy and he's had, he, he kind of has been banged up a tiny bit, Alex Erickson, you know? So, I mean, there, there, there's guys and then obviously injuries have hit that position group pretty, pretty heavily. So that's kind of why I think wide receiver probably needs to be, I mean, yes, offensive line, yes, quarterback, yes, linebacker, but I think wide receiver is probably in the discussion in those middle rounds. Um, so that's why I think a guy like Pittman could be in the discussion for the Bengals. Obviously I think with Cosme, the need is for an offensive lineman is higher. Um, so that I, I would assume John, that's why you, <laughs> you you kicked it off with him. Yeah. Jason Von Stein in the comment section, let's redraft Anthony Munoz just to make a point. Yeah. Well, well might as well. Yeah, he he announces the picks, so give him a card that says his own name on him. You know, <laughs> the pick is uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, good stuff. I look forward to covering more more players with you. And if you have ideas, or if you want some breakdowns of players that you guys uh, want us to talk about, let us know. Tip us off to it to uh, to those. Uh, get in contact with us and let us know. Hey, you know, talk about this guy in the near future, and we'll try and get to as many as possible because. Um, this is an important draft for the Bengals. This is an important draft coming up. Uh, they have high picks and, uh, you know, if they are to keep Zach Taylor and company, they're going to need to hit well and hit on a high rate of picks in this year's draft. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about these going forward and we're pretty excited about it. This is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We have had a jam packed episode. We've talked to Andy Dalton and the loss to the Steelers. We've previewed the jets with McGregor Wells of gangrene nation, uh, the SB nation jets site. And we've given you a couple prospects to chew on as the draft is around the corner. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode as we get close to Thanksgiving. As I mentioned, you can get this show in a number of different platforms, audio platforms, get it how you get your podcasts. Um, and if you like the video stuff, you can get it on Cincy Jungle and YouTube. John, we're, we're going to get out of here. Um, Thanksgiving's here, man. Uh, and then before we know it's Christmas, and then before we know it, it's free agency in the draft in 2020. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here, my man? Love yourself this Thanksgiving. Stay away from the cranberry sauce. I'm telling you, just stay away. Oh, Don't touch just, that stuff. Don't yeah, touch yeah. that stuff. You had me for 54 minutes, dude. You Are you me. serious? So as as a kid, I had I hated the stuff. Later in life, a great aunt of mine, who God bless her, she's 94 years old, still still scooting around. She makes the most bomb from scratch cranberry sauce. And it really, it literally took me 
about four years ago or five years ago to finally come around on it. Now, not the jello with the fruit inside, like the actual cranberry sauce, like, you know. That's the whole thing, is, is it not? You just eat the sauce? Yeah, yeah well, it, not the not the jello mold thing. Is that what you're talking about? The talking, mold? Yeah, like, like, like the entire, like, the entire facade of it. Yeah, that that I can't get into. But the, there's there's actual like, cran. I don't know. Some people do it differently, man. Some people. So, so when I turn about cranberry, it's different stuff. Yes. So it, your palate changes, my friend. Well, when I when in ten years and I'm like 32, I'm gonna like this. I'm gonna like this stuff. Is what you're saying? <laughs> Give it a decade. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Give it a decade, and you'll come around. <laughs> Uh, what are you doing for the, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm going across the river to Kentucky to my aunt's house where my entire family will be and hopefully gain about five pounds worth of food. So that's none of the cranberry sauce. Nice. Bring Randall, have him gain some weight. (laughs) Yeah. He needs it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you've got some of this stuff, uh, sorted out, man. God, what a week for you. Feel bad for you. Well, we'll get through it. Yeah. We'll get through it. Yeah. Well, Appreciate, appreciate you uh, joining us. Appreciate all the live listeners joining us as well. I don't really have final thoughts other than to say have a great Thanksgiving. Listen to our show. We got Matt Minnick's, uh Chalk Talk also on tap for, uh, the, you know, coming for this holiday weekend. You've got Orange is the New Black, the podcast from Zim Hude and uh, Ace Boogie. So check that out as well. We're, we're trying to get you multiple, multiple shows per week. We're going to do listener questions this weekend as well, or at least I will. So join us for that. Probably I'm thinking Friday, but we'll see how that works out. Um, and then of course we'll do post game reactions on Sunday after the game. So uh, check those out, download it, leave us a review, appreciate the support, and we will see you on the next show. Happy Thanksgiving.